Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome, 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 everyone, to another amazing episode. Um, We don't have a fresh face and a fresh voice for us today. Um, We're going to do another man behind the mic, um, just because I feel like it's been so long since I talked to you all about what's been going on with me, what's been going on with how I see the world and and this project and what we're continuing to do as it pertains to um, sharing this three principle understanding with the world. Um, So... I really, really, really just um, wanted to to start with just some gratitude, love, appreciation, and and thank you for the overwhelming amount of support I receive daily from people who talk about the podcast helping them or who talk about these stories and how inspirational they are to them. And I, I truly appreciate everyone who continues to share this with others and, and continue to push this out as a means, as a resource for people to, you know, coming to this understanding and ultimately in uh, their suffering. And, and so in that, that same mode, we're going to go through um, some of the last, I guess, I guess you can put it up, you can chalk it up to, I just recently had a birthday. And so I guess I'll chalk it up to wanting to go back and reflect, right? You know, when you have those birthdays, especially when you're getting up there as high as I am. Um, <laughs> you you want to reflect on, on some of the things you learn most. And so I guess I'm going to go through the things that I've learned uh, here recently with this understanding, with challenging my norms, with looking for something to be deeper or fresh. One of the biggest insights that I, I've had here in, a, in I don't know how long that kind of kind of really helped me settle and feel like I could ground much quicker was one that I received in spending some time around what we would call elders of the community or first generation teachers or facilitators uh, within the community. And that was at the 3P UK conference uh, this past June. And what I learned in having the, the opportunity and the privilege to kind of just be in their presence for long periods of time, I saw how fast when something would happen that would stir us up or store a human being up, they got stirred up too. But the, the beauty was how blazing fast they came back to reality or to truth or to um, love, to base, whatever you want to call it. It was like fascinating. And then it was kind of like if I wasn't there with them, I wouldn't have even saw that they got upset or that they had a moment or that they was human. I would have just thought they always sat in this blissful state 
And that is when I start realizing like, oh, okay, because I've heard people say before, man, I don't I don't really feel like I'm grounded in the principles because I still get mad or I still have emotions. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe maybe I'm not either because I still do, too. So, you know, now I know that's not true. Right. We all do. And the only thing that makes the first generation, some of them, not even all of them in that this, you know, in this vein, but the ones that I were around, the only difference in between them and me was how fast they came back to truth. And that that was very good to see because it means I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to go learn 30 years of something. I just had to remember the truth. And I'm more than capable of remembering the truth. And so that was a beautiful, beautiful insight for me to see that kind of just cemented me a little bit more in my grounding of nothing to do, just having to remember. Another big insight that I had still just in that same uh, in that same time frame at the conference was how lived experience is actually education. And I, and I say that because I really, really, for a long period of time, didn't know how my work would compare um, with those who had degrees in psychology and things like that. And and when spending again, spending this time with people, helping folks, coaching people, my my own practice, I'm starting to see how valuable my lived experience is to the work that I do. It connects the person that I'm working with to truth. It connects the audience that I'm talking with to truth because it's my lived experience. It's not hypothetical. And so I really, really, really want to um, just support those who, who have um, a powerful story of resilience. I, I really just want to support you to start sharing it because there is, some, there is something that that could do as well to help others with their suffering. Another one that was really probably the deepest in magnitude of so-called stretching myself was to learn um, that sadness and well-being can actually happen at the same time. I had that experience when I received information that a mentee um, was involved in a violent act that took his life. And it was this, this, this moment of, of panic, this moment of anger, this moment of frustration, this moment of rage. And then when it popped, it was just sadness and well-being. And I was holding them both together at the same time and I, I just wept I just cried because I lost someone that I love but all the while I was crying I knew I was okay and I had never experienced that before where sadness and well-being were happening at the same time I also saw how well-being is always happening and it wasn't coincidental it was there when sadness it was coincidental the sadness was there with it because well-being is always there. So that was all <laughs> from the 3P UK London conference. Uh, yeah, it hit me all upside of my head. Such amazing, for me, amazing insights and growth and, and alliances that were just formed that, that I, I just enjoyed that conference so much. I uh, really got a chance to hug people that I'd never seen before other than on Zoom. Uh, truly a, a blessing and a remarkable time. So then I come back across the water. Actually, no, no, I take that back. I went on my own vacation for a time or holiday, as my, my British friends say. And during holiday, 
I really learned that I had no idea what a holiday was <laughs> because I was so used to every time I would go somewhere, I would just pack my schedule or the schedule would be packed so tightly because we had to do something since we were away that I never got a chance really to rest because there were so many activities and things we had to do. And uh, this particular vacation was so beautiful because what happened was I was actually already in London for the conference and working. And uh, when Lo got there, we um, she needed a day to kind of recoup with the uh, jet lag. And I didn't have anything to do. And oh, my God, my mind was going crazy. You should be doing something right now. There is something you can be doing. There is some good you can be making. You are wasting time. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it was just going on and on and on. And I started thinking like, oh, I've made myself believe that my passion is so great that I don't have to rest. Like I had, I'd start making myself believe my works were worth me sacrificing my well-being to go achieve and just like whoa man what are you doing like this is a time in which you should be relaxing this is a time which you should be regenerating recouping this is a time in which you should be safely challenging the norms and i just sat back and started to relax and before you know it i started really tangibly feeling as if i was regenerating like if, if I was if I was getting getting uh, powered back up, that allowed me to kind of just get lost in the vacation and really enjoy the experience um, so much so that I felt refreshed at the end. I felt like vibrant. I was excited to come back and start, you know, talking to clients and and speaking and things like that, because I really had rest my my body and I'd rest my mind. Um, so, yeah, just. If there's an opportunity for you in there with all the amazing work that you're doing in the world, still, still, still find that time to prioritize your self-care and rest. Um, Because it's so, so beneficial. I mean, it is an immediate impact. I could see within my clients when I came back that with that freshness, I could see it in the the engagement of the first, you know, the things that I were doing. It was a very, very vivid thing for me to see. And it being the first time that I really relaxed, got rejuvenated and seeing tangible results so fast out the gate. So, uh, yeah, just shout out on vacations. (laughs) If it's time for you to take a vacation, take one. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let me see. What else, man? What else did I learn? Oh, 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 this is a good one. This is a good one. And I learned this because I kind of been doing a lot more security work here recently. And 
I didn't have the inside out understanding when I was a security agent working for the government, but I have it now. And it's actually very funny how much more I get done in my job now with listening than I do with trying to communicate a message. And I find that to be the most fascinating thing ever. And I started going like, oh, wait, listening is part of communication. Just as giving a message and receiving the message, you know, listening is part of communication, part of the, the process in it. But it's not talked about as such. Like listening can say something all by itself that words can't say. And so, yeah, I, I really, really, really have loved doing security from the inside out because all all I get to do, man, is just listen. You know, I had an incident where a young man was um, he was probably a little bit too intoxicated. He just wanted to celebrate his friend. Like that's he really, really, really just wanted to celebrate his friend and he got too far out out of hand. And so I, I just sat there with him and talked to him for a minute and I had to escort him out of the event. And then I thought to myself, I said, wait, you've been drinking. And so I go back into the event and I grab someone else. I said, hey, this is your friend. I said, um, he's not he can't, you know, come into the to the event. I said, so I'm going to need you to make sure he gets home safely because um, he's been drinking. And the person who was drinking that I had escorted out of the event was so thankful that I thought about his life to go get someone to bring him home versus me just being concerned about putting him out of the event because I know anybody put out of event is probably embarrassed. Their friends are looking, you know, their colleagues, their business partners and things like that are, are looking, you know, and this is, you know, typically what the event was a networking business thing. I didn't have to come across as a butthole and I needed to make sure also, even in his, his lack of judgment, you know, to, to get to that point that I could still make sure he was okay. And, and I got the other guy to take him home who hadn't been drinking. And it was, it was a pretty cool event. So it was, it was just that, that piece of learning that listening is just as much a part of communication as speaking is. And, um, and then I get a call from a, a colleague and a beautiful friend and she posed something to me that just really took me essentially as I remember it why can't sales be spiritual and man as soon as you know we got into conversations about that all kind of thoughts of you know what I think about money and even though I may have what I consider to be an okay practice you know my thinking around money and 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 as we talk about resources and changing the world you know What's too much money and how much should a practitioner charge and money, 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 money. And I also was thinking about how um, yucked out I used to get at the sales process. You know, if I go back over my track record, it was like I really loved coaching, but I didn't like the sales process um, because I didn't I didn't understand it fully. It wasn't a spiritual process for me. It was a set of rules that I got from somebody else that told me this is how it's supposed to be done. It was in the best books and it was, you know, said by the best sellers. And but it never fit me for how I like to, you know, move in my practice. And we we basically kind of collaborated on a project that started helping me see so many things. And one of the first things helped me see was 
a large part of the reasons that my sales weren't spiritual is because my conversations had an intended point. And I didn't learn this until I went to the wedding of a loved one. And at the wedding of a loved one, um, I'm just talking to people. But I'm catching myself moving them to a point where I can offer them some help or a phone call to get them into coaching. And I was like, wait, what are you doing? You're here to enjoy yourself. You're here to, to laugh. You're not here to make your family your clients. Just listen to them. And so I, I find myself talking uh, to this gentleman for the rest of the night, basically, similar to kind of like how me and Michael met at a, at a dinner party. And it was the funniest thing because we talked probably a good hour. So just kind of off and on throughout the night, the, the wedding rehearsal thing or whatever, the wedding dinner, pre-rehearsal dinner or whatever it's called. At the end of the night, he said, he said, Rob, man, I don't know what you do in your life, man, but you'd be an amazing life coach. You've kind of really helped me. Um, man. And so I, I bust out laughing. You know, I started laughing real hard. And I said, I appreciate that, man. And so I hugged him, you know, and we, we leave for the night. Well, the next time I see him is at the wedding. He was at the wedding. And he runs up to me. He was like, oh, my God, Rob, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, for what? And he was like, I didn't know you were a life coach. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I said, well, well, no, then, then that was the biggest compliment you could have paid me was that you didn't know who I was, but the way in which I carried myself made you see that's what I am. That's who I am. And so it was it was so cool uh, to have that experience because all I did with that gentleman was have an open ended conversation. I just wanted to get to know him. I just wanted to hear what his life was like. I just wanted to see how he got to the party. I just wanted to to know who he was. And in the process of that, he would say something. I would say something. And. And at the end of the conversation, he felt significantly better to the point that he would liken the experience of something he would have felt like he would have experienced with the life coach, not even knowing that I was. That's the way I love showing up in the world. So I learned that if I wanted my sales to be more spiritual, I was going to have to take off some of these um, rules on my conversations with people. Um, one of the other things I got as I've been going through this this thing of money and um, offers and, and all of that stuff. And I'm telling you, when when this course comes out, I really hope you, you get a chance to get into it because there's a lot of thought and effort going to it, uh, even with the beta testing group, of really pushing, pushing, pushing the barriers on our thinking as it pertains to resources and making offers to people and what money is and is not. But off my soapbox on that. So <laughs> so the insight that I got around this was really about the offer. And, you know, it's the offer that people say is so important when coaches are talking to clients and things like that. And I, I really pushed that for a second to see if that was true for me. And what I found was that if I got very clear on my coaching, my offer became really really easy and here's what i mean so i had to go really really look at what i do as a coach to make an offer okay so i help first stop the narrative that's the first thing i do so a client comes to me 
they're feeling depressed they're feeling anxious they are feeling as they're doing that, that love whatever the the narrative they're running um i have to stop that said narrative right now how i stop that narrative usually is by just listening and loving them and then they'll kind of feel something that stops them from that mode of thinking but sometimes there may be something that'll come to me to do like uh, a walk or or a video to watch or something like that but it's just basically what i'm trying to do is stop the narrative from constantly running stop the projector from running this video over and over and over in their mind and once i stop the narrative it becomes about bringing them into the present and this is where you have to ensure that the environment is very safe because what i have learned through this work is that Anyone who learns something that they previously believed to be true, not true, has to take a moment to deal with that. Especially when it's one of those core beliefs that you've lived by for a long time, or it's been something that has been kind of stringed throughout your entire life, so to speak. Like when you wake up to learning that something you believe for a long time isn't true, that's a shocker. And so when I bring someone, when I stop that narrative and bring someone into the present moment, I have to ensure it's a safe space because it's, they need to feel that it's okay at that point to drop that old thinking and pick up something new, right? Like it's not really you're walking into the dark. It's that you're tearing down the, the veil that's allowed the light not to get out. And from, from that, that present moment, then we see together what's possible. And that's based on the way that they feel. All right. And here is here is where I, th this process becomes spiritual. Once they see what's possible, then I get an opportunity as a coach to make an offer. And that offer I make is simply an agreement between me and the client that together we're going to collaborate on getting you what you saw was possible in your life. And that's going to give me some so-called permissions to challenge you, to push you, to nudge you, to point for you. But the offer is for you to go get what you have seen as possible. And then it's not on me. That's how it can stay spiritual. And that's how the no doesn't have to mean anything about me. That's how I can continue to just have free conversations because the offering is for the person. Doesn't make me a better coach because I offered and they accept. So there's no accolades to gain by them accepting my offer. But I can make it spiritual because the offer is 100% about them. All right. I really, 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 um, I feel like I've just been talking a long, long time. So I'm going to to close this out just like I do with everybody else. Um, with my words to the community, given where I am now. Um, first and foremost, of course, it's I love you. Um, it's I, I, I appreciate you. It's I, I enjoy hearing from more and more of you about how we are impacting this world with this understanding. Also want to make you known of a few things that are coming up. Sydney Banks' 50th anniversary of his insight. 
which will be a pivotal moment in the community. Um, a lot of things for how we're going to go for the next 50 years will be laid out as a community for us. Um, a lot more reconciliation um, as we continue with the outreach and, and partnering with organizations and people to restore some of those broken relationships which we have fractured within our community. Uh, getting things out like the Modelo project, uh, working with Jack Pransky on bringing that to screen. Uh, there will be, you will hear about it, there will be a place for you to pop up some donations, support that project, become part of the I Am Modelo. There's all kind of things going on um, throughout the, the, the 3P community that you should probably just plug into. People's lives are changing daily, and there are so many great programs that you can help support and be a part of. We are a strong and global community. And the last thing that I really would like to do is just offer a moment of silence. Um, earlier, I spoke about a mentee, Derek Clark, uh, who worked with me at the Insight Alliance. And um, I just wanted to take a minute. I just want him to know, or his spirit to know, that we still love him. And uh, we are still here to work on helping to change the, the lives of so many young men who, who lived in the same type situation as Derek or the same type situation as his younger brother, Tamar J. So would you please join me in a moment of silence for Derek. Thank you. I love you. And have the day you deserve. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.